Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. So good. So good. I... uh... Over these past four weeks, we've been, talking, we've been talking about restart. We've been preparing to regather, coming back into the space together, but not just coming into this building, regathering, reconnecting as a church. And we've, we've talked out of 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you, I wonder whether you could just uh, say this with me, uh, but let's make it me, but, or we rather, but we... But we are a chosen race. Say it out with me aloud. But we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. So wonderful. So we talked about, we've, we've talked about uh, our identity over these past three weeks. We are the people of God in the presence of God, empowered for the mission of God. And we talked about that a little bit last week, talked about a number of different things that we're doing last week as well in, in, as part of that mission. But today we are talking about the glory of God. We're talking about the sense of what it means that God is glorious and that we are here to bring Him glory. And I, I think there is something even about what God's been speaking to us already this morning. He's already set us up. Jess's wonderful interpretation of Grace's tongue spoke about, show us your glory, show us your glory. And you know, throughout the scripture, this word glory comes up again and again. What does it mean? What, is the, what does glory mean? Well, it means beauty. It means splendor. It means radiance. It means majesty. But when we talk about God's glory, we're not primarily talking about a physical glory. We're not primarily talking about uh, a, a sort of a material glory. Now, we can go out And in this city, we can do this every single day. We can see the majesty of the mountains. We can see the power of the ocean. We can see the beauty of the forests and the trees and the grass. We can see, in some sense, reflections and expressions of the glory of God all around us. And yet, these are simply given by God for us to have some sense of what he's like. In fact, the whole of creation speaks to the glory of God. The, the glory of God is revealed in some sense through creation. 
But then there are these moments throughout Scripture, and we've referred to a couple of them already in this series, where God's glory comes in such a powerful way that people speak of it in a they, they speak of it in hushed terms. When the glory of God came in the temple, it actually says the people saw the glory come down. And, and the glory filled the temple so much so that the priests were unable even to enter the temple. The power of God, the splendor of God, the radiance of God was so powerful in that moment that, that people who were accomplished and used to doing their tasks literally could not move inside the building to do their tasks. The people seeing the glory came, come down just fell on their faces and worshipped God. We see it at Mount Sinai where it's like the cloud covers this mountain and then it's like this fire and flashes of lightning inside this cloud and and the people are are just standing in awe at the presence of God. We've talked about it in terms of the cloud, uh, uh, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that comes, uh, that, that leads Israel through the years of the wilderness where God's glory literally inhabits or dwells within the camp and leads the people from place to place, from place to place. God's glory manifest among his people. We see it in Isaiah 6, where, where Isaiah, and, and it's amazing. Isaiah says, in, in the year of, uh, of King Uzziah dying, I saw the Lord. And then he says, He was high and lifted up in his train for the temple. He says nothing more about what he saw. And this is quite common in terms of gospel writers or or scripture writers, is that they often either say nothing about what they saw. They just tell you, I saw the Lord. I saw his glory. We saw his glory and we bowed down and worshiped. Or they try to give some sense of what it looked like, what what it was like, the glory of God. And so you get these amazing uh, descriptions that actually kind of, I don't know, they, they don't even almost make sense to us. When we were singing that, that, that wonderful song that Eden was leading us in earlier on, uh, clothed in rainbows of living colors, uh, and, and the words in those verses, I don't know about you, but, but I, I stand there and I try to conceptualize what I'm singing and I can't. I don't have a framework of, re- I, I don't have a reference point for what that looks like. When in Exodus 24, when the elders go up and they have, and it's just these four, vo- four verses, two verses, three verses. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. Now listen to what he says after this. He says, there was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. Do you understand that? Do you understand what that means? What, what does it mean, a sapphire pavement for and this is not, he's not even describing god he's describing what's underneath god he he has no words to describe god later on in sinai they speak about the appearance of the glory of god was like a devouring fire at the top of the mountain ezekiel uh, the prophet he has probably the strangest description of god if you read and i'd encourage you this week to read ezekiel 1 
and he speaks about living beasts, and he speaks about wheels within wheels, which are the Spirit of God, and they're moving in all kinds of directions. And then on top of it all, there's this throne, and he says, above the expanse, there's this expanse over the heads of these living creatures, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the throne was a likeness of a human appearance. And upward from what... uh, from what had the appearance of his waist. So he's not even kind of describing a human form as we know, but there's kind of a a likeness, a similarity. There's this, uh, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of rainbow that is in the clouds on a day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. And he begins to speak out this prophecy. He just has, he, he, he tries to put into some kind of language what he's seeing. And we, when we read it, we think, I, I just, I, I kind of get something, but I don't even understand what you're saying. The, the Hebrew word for glory is actually the word heavy, the glory of God, the heaviness of God, it's the weightiness of God, the density of God. We saw His glory. Somehow, they're, they're using language to, to try and encapsulate something that we cannot conceive of as human beings. And so, Yet in all of this, so there's this mystery that God is surrounded in, the unapproachable mystery, this incredible reality of who He is as a person. And then out of that, God, this incredible, glorious God, clothes Himself with humanity. Why does He clothe Himself with humanity? Well, probably most of us can answer that question. He clothes His glory with humanity because of our fallenness. And when we talk about our fallenness, what do we really mean by that? Well, Romans 1 gives us one of the clearest descriptions of what it means for us to be fallen. Listen to the way Paul writes it. He says, for although they, meaning humankind, although humankind knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. And because they did not honor Him as God, and because they did not give thanks to Him, they did not, in that sense, hold Him in His rightful place. They did not see His glory as it should be. Because of that, they became futile in their thinking. They're act- actually, it changed the way they think, and, it, and their thinking became pointless, th- futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and listen to these words, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Powerful words. This word image, image, you are made in the image of God. Every single one of us is made in the image of God. What does that mean? It means that in some sense, God has chosen to image himself through each one of us. Through all of creation, God has chosen to, in one sense, put some, we use the word image, don't we, in terms of a photograph or, or something of that nature. And, and it's like the sense that God has chosen to, in some sense, capture something of himself in all of the world to see, to capture some of his glory, some of his nature is expressed through humanity. You and I are made in God's image. But if you think about that word image, you find it regularly again and again and again throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. God created us in his image and we were created to glorify him, to bring, to reflect in that sense his glory back to him in everything we did, to rule and reign over the earth in, in all that we do, in our eating, in our drinking, in our playing, in our laughing, in our community, in our working, in, in everything we do, it's to give glory back to him. It's to reflect who he is back to him. Do you remember what Israel was forbidden from doing? Do not create what? Idols. What's the word most often used in the, in the Old Testament for idols? Image. Image, isn't it? Do not create images of false gods to worship. My image should not create, my images should not create other images of other gods. You should not be imaging other gods that you now worship. You were created specifically and only and purely to image me and to bring that glory that I have in one sense invested in you to reflect it back to me. That's how God created us. And so there is this remarkable thing that God has done in the creation of humanity in terms of this imaging. And yet that, as Paul says, we have given away. We have, because we looked at God and we said, I, I don't call you, I don't, I refuse to believe you are who you say you are. And I refuse to give thanks. I refuse to give you honor, the honor that you're due. I refuse to do that. Because of that, we become like these dumb idols that we worship. Our thinking becomes futile. We become, in that sense, fools. And God says, no, I, I want to redeem that. And so God clothes his glory in humanity and he comes to us. In the form of Jesus. And so the, the Apostle John writes these amazing words. He says this. He said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John looks at Jesus and he says, This man which we've touched... 
we have seen the glory of God. We've seen the glory of the Father in this man. Jesus, our Redeemer, is our glorious one. In fact, later on, the writer to the Hebrews says this about Jesus. He says, He is the radiance of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Now, Jesus closed Himself with humanity, and Jesus was happy to allow His images to pierce His hands, to pierce His feet, Jesus, in that sense, allowed the brutality of humankind, the full brutality of humankind, to be poured out upon him, even though he was the glory of God. And so when we see the glory of God, actually, we've talked about the, the, the transcendence of God, the fact that we, it's very difficult to even understand what we mean when we use this word glory, and we can think of glory simply as power. We can think of glory as just that which is powerful. But what we find in Jesus is glory that is so humble and so servant-hearted that he just lays himself down for us. And so Paul, uh, or rather John, speaks of Jesus and he says his glory was manifest in one sense in weakness. What, what Rita was just sharing about Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. God meets us in the context of weakness. And so Jesus goes to the cross, but his true nature and his true character cannot be contained. The grave cannot hold him. He bursts from the grave, glorious in his power. And he ascends into heaven, destroying death, destroying the power of sin, leading us in his triumph, making us more than conquerors, bringing us into all that he has for us. Jesus restores uh, or brings the opportunity for the restoration of his images. And we begin to reflect his glory once again. And God says, I put my finger on your life. I, I lay hold of you because I want to bring you back into what I created you to be. Glorious, imaging me to the whole world around you. I want my, uh, my nature and my character and my personhood to be on display through you as my images to the world around you. And there is something glorious about the restoration of this dignity. There's something glorious about the restoration of who we are in Christ. It's, it's this transformation. We were dead in our sin. We were pressed down in, 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 in our sinfulness and our shame, but now we have risen to life again in Jesus Christ, and the glory of God is in us. And I, there is a sense, I believe, of God wanting to bring a fresh revelation of His glory, not only to us, but through us in this day. I think even as we gather back together, as we sing songs of worship, the glory of God, I believe God wants to move in power in a 
a way we've not seen before as we gather and worship Him in the coming weeks. God wants to fill this room, this room with glory. That God wants to minister to us in power, but He doesn't just want it for this room. He is wanting to image Himself in your neighborhood. He's wanting to image himself in your, uh, in your office. He wants glory to be brought through you to the Father. This is what Jesus has for us, friends. This is what Jesus has for us. He wants to restore, to bring full restoration to all that he created us to be because of the glory of the Father. Can you get excited about that? I am so excited about that. It is amazing to think God wants to take us, this kind of rabble sitting in this room, this unimpressive group of people, and display the eternal, mighty, glorious God through us. The love that is irresistible. The love of God that never ceases pursuing. The love of God that is already uh, at work in your workplace, in your neighborhood. God's passion for people that he wants to draw out of slavery to sin, out of this broken glory, out of this sense of being uh, uh, separated and distended and and divorced uh, and destroyed in even some senses. God wants to bring restoration, uh, pouring out his love through us that he might be glorified. It's the most incredible thing. The, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, is what the Westminster Catechism says. The chief end of man, the reason you and I were created was to glorify God. John Piper wonderfully takes that catechism and he changes it. He says, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Friends, the glory of God is not just something to be in awe of. It's something to delight our hearts in. God wants us to be caught up in a growing, uh, a greater and greater and greater vision of who he is. As I was preparing for this morning, I, I just felt an incredible sense of conviction that my view of God was way too small, that it was anemic, that my view of God was pathetic in terms of who God really is. And I felt God speaking to me and saying, I want to extend it. I want to increase your capacity to enjoy me. I want to increase your capacity to see me, to, to understand who I am, to lay hold of me. I don't know about you, but I just said yes. Would you say yes to that? Do you think, do you, would you say that my view of God is all it needs to be? Anyone say that? Yeah, I think I've got a full-sized view of God. No? Anyone say, I want a greater view of God. I want to be expanded in that. I want my heart to swell. So we're not just talking about singing songs. Thank you, Ken. I see that hand. Ken, fortunately, one of us is keen to have our hearts expanded. <laughs> uh, friends, uh, this is not just about singing songs, can I say. Singing songs bursts out of us. This is about our hearts swelling 
with an understanding of the glory of God. I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite the band to come up. What's the application for us this morning? What's the application? Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? The application isn't so much a doing. It's a thirsting. It's a desiring. I want to encourage you this morning to stir your desire. To increase your longing after God. Why don't you just say with me, Holy Spirit, would you increase my desire to know God, to know the Father. Why don't you just say to him, Lord, I want to know you more. Why don't you say that aloud with me? Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to sweep through this place, to come. Come, Holy Spirit. You might just want to reach out your hands to him. You might just want to posture yourself for receiving from him. He just wants to blow. We're going to wait for a moment. We're not in a rush to go anywhere. We're just going to wait. God loves to respond to our waiting on him. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, come, Holy Spirit. Just invite him. Just welcome him. <laughs> oh, come, Holy Spirit. Breathe on us afresh. Breath of God, blow on us again. Come, breath of God. Glorify Jesus right now. Glorify the Father. Glorify the Father. 